Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael. I am a chaser, and today I am I'm a sleepy, sleepy boy because I was up until three thirty in the morning writing a script. Oh. I wasn't planning that, but I kind of had a brainwave <laughs> at like twelve thirty, and it just sort of went from there. So. Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> you surf that brainwave, Michael. Yeah, baby. I'm uh, hanging 20. <laughs> uh, my name is Don Marshall. I'm a big, fat, chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today, I, t- I, you know, I hate to repeat, but I am also a very sleepy guy. I woke up about 10 minutes before our podcast and I wasted five of it trying to pull a loaf of bread I baked last night out of the oven that just would not come out. And now I have two half loaves. To share with everyone, so it, 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 it's it's as big as the interior. I was imagining of the, the size of the oven. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge slice of bread. Come on, we've all seen that. I love Lucy episode. <laughs> I'm Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and certified chubby chaser. Um, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a morning person. Yes, I'm one of those horrible monsters. It's just bright-eyed, bushy-tailed at so in the morning. Good morning. <laughs> Somebody take him down. <laughs> My name is Trevor Kizan. Uh, I am a super chub living here in West Hollywood, and I am married to the morning person, but I am uh, I'm not a morning person. Congratulations, Trevor. <laughs> We're so sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, for our future listeners, our time travelers, listening to us uh, for anthropological reasons, we are still in quarantine. <gasps> it's going to be a slow rollout. Uh, of like yeah. back to normal. There's a writer, uh, comedian, general, amazing person I follow on Twitter, JP Brammer. And he tweeted this morning. Um, he's like, I was hoping for uh, meats back on the menu, boys, yeah. return to normal, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a little more slow than that. <laughs> uh, 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 speaking of getting some meat from an app. <laughs> <laughs> Finish the segue, Trevor. <laughs> um, so a listener sent this in. In uh, BBC News, uh, they were touting a new drug that um, will mark a new era in tackling obesity. And it's a drug, semaglutide, which I think is currently used to treat diabetes. But they're starting to use it to uh, as an appetite suppressant to treat obesity. Oh, thank God they're tackling it now. It's been so long. <laughs> and and that's, just... that's misleading because it's it's not really, there are apposite suppressants on the market. They're usually called methamphetamines. <laughs> but that's that's not really the mechanism of action, but that's the downstream, lo- that's the downstream effect. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a little misleading, but yeah, if you're trying to explain it to people who are looking for a new diet, then yeah, it's an appetite suppressant. Yeah, uh, basically... This is this falls into the camp of the war on obesity. Um, it's it's it is being framed as a you know a, a way to treat. I think primarily to treat diabetes, especially when it comes to yeah, and that's its original intent. Insurance, yeah. Well, and the original the, dosage. The, yes. The weight loss aspect is apparently only occurs when you inject it as a much larger dosage than is currently used for anything. And and uh, according to their trials, uh, you you just have to keep doing it. Yeah. Like you just, which to me, it's like, okay, so <laughs> I don't know. I guess there, there are some conditions where you just have to keep treating it with medication for the rest of your life. But to me, it I sounds like- I have to like, take thyroid medication every single morning. If I skip it too long, I die. 
you know, it's, yeah. this is part yeah. of life. I have a medication I have to take. So I guess I get that. But the, the other half of it that they, they bury in the article is that this drug, if it's not covered by insurance is about a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and insurance historically does not tend to support weight loss drugs. Well, yeah, uh, but they were saying we'll, there's like, well, technically it's a diabetes drug. So maybe it'll be covered. Right. Um, uh, I think actually, so sorry. Uh, there's two articles. Um, there's the one from BBC, but then there's also one from New York times that kind of goes deep. Cause the BBC one's like, finally a cure for <laughs> obesity. And the New York times is like, okay, they're doing this study. And actually, here's all this other information about it. You know, like the cost of the drug that when people stop taking it, they regain the weight. Yeah. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really true to form that the BBC's article is really about how not to be a fat fuck. And the New York times article is far more uh, in depth and scientific and like, okay, it's an obesity. It's a, uh, it's a diabetes drug. And at certain dosages, it can, it can also have dramatic weight loss effects through the mechanism of action, which is actually related to how you metabolize glucagon uh, or glucose, glucagon and, uh, and insulin. So that's kind of interesting, but you know, BBC article, no, it's about how to stop being fat. I think the biggest uh, yeah. takeaway, and this is from the New York Times article, is the semaglutide study confirms what scientists already know. Willpower is not enough. In the new trial, participants who received the placebo and diet and exercise counseling were unable to see any significant difference in their weight. It just makes me wonder, like, is there, uh, this, th- I feel like this has to be something that's being researched and just not reported that well. But like, you know, people talk sort of colloquially about a base weight like a sort of a resting weight. That a, most a set people, point? Yeah, just like where you kind of naturally fall. Yeah. Like all other things being equal, how much do you weigh? Like if you had the exact same lifestyle as the person next door, you're almost guaranteed not to weigh the same just yeah. because. That's called the set point. Right. So is that, like at what point do you acknowledge that somebody is fighting that sort of natural natural place their body wants to stay well it's a complicated argument because you you could make the argument that like hey you know your body's supposed to be this weight you should be that weight on the other hand there's lots of conditions for which your body just wants to do that uh your body naturally wants to produce uh uh, too many white blood cells and you get leukemia your body naturally wants to do this or that the other thing and we alter the course of that quote-unquote natural uh uh, internal process. So I, it's, it's a, it, that's a squishy line. I will say this. I, I, I'm familiar with a lot of, of diabetes treatments and weight loss drugs through, <laughs> through knowing a lot of fat people and also through bodybuilding and stuff like that. This is not that bad. Like this is a pretty gentle intervention uh, pharmacologically. What it, the bigger question and that maybe the question that we're addressing on the show is like, well, is, is it's not, if it's not about weight loss, it's about health. Is that, is that, is there a moral difference for people? Like when we talk about people who are like, I want to take the drug because then I'll, I'll, I'll be less fat or I want to take the drug because then I'll have 
better uh, blood sugar numbers. We tend to have a prejudice as to which of those is a better reason. And I'm not here to tell you which one is the better one or not. I'm just saying that it tends to make a difference to us because so much of obesity is about blame. We want to blame people for being fat. And so it's very integral to it. It's like the whole argument with gay. Like, you know, if you're gay because you were born that way, okay, we can accept that. But if you're gay because you chose to be gay, well, we have a huge problem with that. And and I think that that's part of the 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 blame game that happens with fat yeah because the there is it it is hard to argue like okay well you're you're pre-diabetic and losing weight is going to help stem that right so what do you like okay time to lose weight um on the other hand i feel like there are a lot of people who you know if they were to have a a quote-unquote normal experience at the doctor would be told you know by all accounts you're perfectly healthy yeah. but they're also obese. Mm-hmm. And do those people also feel pressured or are straight up being instructed to lose weight anyway? That's the part that I feel like oh, this I mean, is also trying to scoop those people absolutely. up. Absolutely. Because this and, because endemic yeah. in the BBC article is that weight loss equals health. That is absolutely incontroversial. That's mm-hmm. a, a premise of the entire article that goes unspoken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, throughout my entire life, I was always very healthy uh, for the most part. And I always had doctors tell me like, well, you're healthy now, but, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and so because you're fat, eventually things are going to be terrible for you. And like, so I've never had a whiff of diabetes <laughs> Because then people stay healthy forever. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I call that the wages of sin argument. Like God's going to get you, you know, you may be fat and healthy now, but God's going to get you. Yeah. So it's, I get it. You know, and it's it's always the I always come back to the uh, what was the there was a really bad X-Men movie where they, someone comes up with a pill where if you take the pill, you'll no longer be a mutant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, we just watched that the other day. We did. And, and that's actually an interesting point, because, yeah, if there h- how much of one's identity is tied to fat to the extent that if you could be healthy and fat, you'd wouldn't change it it's uh, a lot of when i was growing up uh, one of the arguments or one of the questions you got asked was like if you could take a pill to not be gay would you take it right so it's you know. it's it's kind of interesting where and 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 i i would talk to people who was like if there was a, a pill to make me straight i'd take that one every morning like there were people who would tell me that and i think it's an unfair question to ask of fat people if there was a pill that would just make you magically thin would you take it because it's it's one of those things where like if you ask me that on a Tuesday I might say no. <laughs> you know, if you ask me that on a Thursday I might say yes. I don't mm. know. Well, and who wouldn't want to be who wouldn't want to take a pill that would make you get treated better? <laughs> it, that's exactly what it comes down to. It's like I don't have any societal benefits from being fat at all. It doesn't mean that I hate being fat. It means that I hate being treated this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. It it's one of those things where like if someone offers me a pill that says Guess what? Your lifetime earning potential will go up 50 percent. You may get the job that they wouldn't look at you twice for Mm -hmm. Uh, sexual partners that wouldn't look at you for a second now may suddenly get interested. Uh, That pill's looking pretty good to me. Exactly. And and it reinforces what we already know, which is this has nothing ever to do with health. That's not what this is about, because you could take a drug to make you healthy, but it doesn't help you lose weight. And those don't seem to be terribly interesting to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll touch back on this <clears throat> later on our main topic. We yes. have a, it all ties together. <laughs> there's a there's a Machiavellian scheme afoot. Um, we have our the the podcast's uh, favorite fat male actor uh, comes back 
Uh, I think we talked about this about a year yeah. ago, uh, I, about him being cast as Jasper. <laughs> say his name. Say his movie. name. Paul Walter Hauser as Horace in the live action Cruella movie starring Emma Stone, by the way, which I totally didn't realize until halfway through the trailer. <laughs> they released the trailer and it's it's this voiceover and you don't see a lot of clear shots of her at first. I don't think or maybe you do. And she just looks totally different. But I was hearing this like British accent and I was like, oh, okay, who's this? Who is this? I love the voice is great. Oh, it is so <laughs> she does crazy so it well. Is, <laughs> I love Emma Stone's crazy. It's so like, I love it. <laughs> I, I had many <laughs> concerns when this project was announced because I'm like, okay, so we're going to try to make the lady of skins puppies like fun like it's gonna be (laughs) (laughs) yes she skins puppies but she's also fun and she's not that bad and i mean they've kind of sold me although i'm like okay but skinning puppies i mean (laughs) i kept i woke up uh the the day the trailer came out uh, my friend messaged me and said, uh, why is Cruella de Vil a Batman villain? Oh, my God. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and I was well, like, she's always been a Batman villain. No, but this but is, no, a, this is, this the is point. a Tim. This is like she's in a Tim Burton Batman movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the point where like Cruella is presumably somehow releasing a bunch of bats <laughs> at a party. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm living for it. I I. The director mm. is the director of Itania, which I'm excited about, but also a little nervous because uh, Paul Walter Hausner mm-hmm. in Itania was kind of his character was like, oh, he's fat. So we should always be eating. We need the audience yeah. needs to know that he's fat. And I wonder stupid, if so he's always going to be he eating. has a lot more clout now. And I wonder if he'll be able to maybe exert himself a little bit more in this role and not yeah. have it be kind of a walking stereotype, although he is playing. I mean, in the cartoon, he's playing a comic <laughs> character, so he, yeah. Yeah. I don't have much hope for that. You can't look to a fat comic character to produce change. That's just and not he's not. He's in a single shot in the trailer. I think he's in one shot pulling up in a car. Yes, and that's that's it. So we don't really have a sense of how the character's portrayed at all yet. That's um, true. And he's not. And he's exciting. not eating the car, so that's good. <laughs> he, that, that is true. He's not eating the car. He doesn't have. You know, biscuits uh, in his mouth. So like I wonder if he's doing a British accent. I guess he must be. Doesn't he have like a Cockney accent in the in the cartoon? He does. Yeah, I was going to try to do a, a, a Cockney accent in reply, but I kind of came up with like, he certainly does, which I know isn't. <laughs> That's, That's not like right. old timey New York. It's yeah. like, yeah, from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think we're all, I'm excited to see it. Mm-hmm. It looks batshit crazy and fun <laughs> and heavy on the bat. I'm, When's it uh, yeah. dropping? May 28th. I, I know this is a tangent, but since we're talking about shows, uh, I, just to, so you guys know how weird my brain is, you mentioned the underdog and that took me to the episode of scrubs where Ted's, uh, uh, band starts singing the theme song to the underdog with Dr. Cox in the background and I've been rewatching scrubs or trying to anyway, uh, because it was a show that I loved to, you know, back at the time that it was on, I think maybe early 20 teens and with a new lens, like, Holy crap. Is that show fat phobic? Mm. Like mm. I, it didn't really hit me at the time. Cause I guess I wasn't paying that close attention, but Oh my God, it did. It doesn't, it doesn't have a whole lot of episodes about fat people or with, 
you know, the plot device of a fat person because none of the main cast are fat. Maybe you could say Laverne is, but she's mostly just a comic side character. Well, if you think about it, how few fat positive characters there have been, especially in comedy, you know, and yeah, and would, in comedy is the only area you can get a fat protagonist that has any kind of actual arc. And even there, they're usually not treated that well. No. Well, again, speaking of uh, foreshadowing yeah, of the later, we're, we're just <laughs> when we're we get to the main topic, it. you're going to say, oh, my God, they're geniuses. <laughs> they're geniuses. It's, like a, it's a tightly fat. written script. Speaking of fat positivity, we're fat we're watch. going full speed into fat watch. If only we had music for this. <laughs> if only we had video for this. You guys got to see Trevor dance to the yeah, Batwatch theme. You'd love it. <laughs> Someday, maybe. Um, <laughs> live episode. Live episode. Okay. Save it for that. Um, so this week, I'm kind of putting a spotlight on um, a Japanese body positive advocate named Barbie. That's right. Uh, not not that Barbie. No, not that Barbie. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, Metropolis Magazine, which is Japan's number one English magazine. Um, mm. did a little feature on her, um, kind of talking about how she kind of rose to fame, or at least within the realm of body posit- positivity in August, 2019, when she shared about basically not being able to get a bra that fits. She, posted, she posted pictures yeah. of her body being bruised by ill-fitting bras. Yeah. Yeah. Literally in, yeah. Yeah. It's really kind of disturbing. Actually. The article has a picture, has that picture on it. It's, mm. it's, it's. That looks painful. Which is revolutionary for any sort of media in in, in Japan because it's not really about it's certainly not about body positivity and and not about you know girl these sort of uh, these sort of photos. That's not the bread mm-hmm. butter that's usual there. Um, but she said, "I tried so many bras and none of them fit well, so I'm going to make my own. May all boobs stand tall and confident every day." <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Um, and she did, and they're coming out. Uh, they actually, what were. February, they came out, I think, like last week. Um, yeah. She worked with a company, Peach John, which is, they make bras and basically approach them and they're like, oh my God, we didn't realize that like, this is an issue that people face. Well, what's interesting is when she posted that picture and uh, and the bruises and stuff, she got a ton of comments from women saying, oh my God, you mean it's not just me? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. all these including women, Including a lot of direct messages from people who are too embarrassed to state it out loud on a absolutely, post. Absolutely, exactly. Because yeah. it's, it mm-hmm. is that sort of, there's a very heavy mindset. I mean, we, we see this all over the world, but especially in places like Japan, where it is your responsibility to fit the clothes. It's not the clothes responsibility to fit you so mm. uh it was it was a huge deal to go like no these clothes don't work for me actually can we make different clothes that was a huge thing to say and mm. the the responses proved that and so uh, that's goes to your point trevor about how yeah a, a company founded on that idea of clothes fitting people is revolutionary and welcome mm-hmm. it did make s- me appreciate a little bit more that like as much as i personally complain about the way fat people are treated in the US. The the advancements that she's advocating in her writing and the things she's putting a spotlight on would mm-hmm. be considered so benign. Like the in the US, the fat phobic people here would so be like, no, well, like, yeah, I mean, even fat people deserve this stuff. Yeah. Um, Barbie also launched a YouTube channel um, after sort of this uh, s- swell of support came up um, and she addresses 
a lot of similar topics uh, like contraception and period products and acne and things that she hopes she can be an educator for and and just open up those like taboo discussions, mm-hmm. um, which is quite brave because it really hits a target on your back. Um, but I think is also like really, really important for people that that need that kind of message. So yeah. kudos, Barbie, doing fighting the good fight. Good for you. Yay. Yeah. Which brings us to our main topic. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> we still don't have a main topic theme, do we? No. No, we don't. I don't know. We, we got enough one. music. <laughs> We've got so much music. I think the theme for Bonanza would be great. <laughs> don't make my music. job harder. <laughs> um, so today we are talking about... I mean, we, we've kind of hinted at the idea of like people losing weight and how they lose weight and why they lose weight. And I think recently, I actually don't even know when this happened, but Rebel Wilson lost a considerable considerable amount of weight um, and has, has done a couple interviews talking about that. And it kind of sparked this idea of like why... Why, what, what reasons people lose weight for and, and what their experience is when they do, like, how does the world treat them? So this, this kind of like, I don't know, press circuit of, uh, Rebel Wilson's weight loss started kind of in December and went into January. Um, and there's, I think it was interesting. So Don sent an article from Australia, um, news.com.au. Um, and she's from Australia, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, she's a right. Um, and kind of talking about her weight loss, and she was saying there's people in her life that didn't want her to lose weight, um, and just kind of going through specifically people in the industry she works yeah. with. Too. Yeah, they wanted her to keep being fat, Amy. She says, "Yeah, um, yeah. her character on Pitch Perfect." Yes, um, which I a lot. There is a few things like framing this, this this story around, like just call her fit Amy, which is yeah okay uh one thing from the australian article that kind of caught my attention was talking about uh i was at my skinniest and i had malaria when i almost died when i came out of the hospital everyone said wow what did you do i almost died (laughs) (laughs) well it's interesting because the australian article is very much focused on isn't it great that she got so healthy isn't it great yes and she even makes the point inside there in that quote that like you know just because you're smaller doesn't mean you're healthier uh, but the, that is absolutely the bent of the Australian uh, uh, news.com article mm-hmm. uh, in contrast to the Glamour article, which has a very different framing. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, yeah, she she tries to she tries to uh, walk the line between, um, you know, her goal was to get healthier. Yes. I think that's how she's always framed it from the start. But also by measuring how much weight she lost so she doesn't really pull this apart but she also says like i've always loved how i looked and been confident in in you know how i look and how i feel and you know as the fatter version of me as the thinner version of me i think she does have some good messaging in there that gets buried in these articles Mm -hmm. um and like uh, Dan was mentioning, the Glamour article, well, her, uh, which sorry, basically what she gets into it is she discusses her own self-confidence and her own faith in her body as a control. Right. She's basically saying, I feel the same now that I did then. But the way I'm treated now is so much significantly improved that it, it's hard not to notice other, you know, it, it changes your self-image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you get that much more affirmation from the outside world that you have value. I think one you know. of the ways you know that the whole weight loss thing is not about health 
the red, the, you know, that, that healthism is driving the conversation to look a particular way is that when people talk about getting healthier, they never talk about the measures of health. Like they never say, oh, you know, I went on, I, I, I committed to health and now my blood, my A1C has dropped from uh, 9.1 to uh, 6.2. They, they don't talk about the measures of health. They talk mm -hmm. about how much weight they lost which is not a yeah. measure of health. And that's how you know it's not about health. Yeah. There are yeah. certain mm -hmm. exceptions that like uh, people with diabetes, I always hear the discussion of, bl of blood sugar numbers going down. Mm -hmm. Sure, but when you way. talk about when people yeah. say I committed to health, that is almost always followed up with a weight statistic, not a blood yeah. sugar statistic or uh, an AST statistic or something like that. Yeah. When I, I, th I think there's something to the, you know, the vague messaging of, I just feel so much better and I, and, but and there, I think you also see a lot in, I mean, this is just gen, we're not talking about celebrities. I'm not talking about celebrities here. I'm talking about general weight loss stuff when it's like, you know, they lost 50 pounds, 75 pounds, a hundred pounds, whatever. But they also then are, you see a difference in how they carry themselves and how they're even just styling themselves, which also I think is, if you're being treated better and people are nicer to you as a result of you now being worthy, mm -hmm. you're going right. to feel better. She <laughs> talks yeah. about this directly. She's, you know, she talks about how she lost weight and all of a sudden people want to carry her groceries for her. She says, is this like, is this how it's always been for people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That comes up in the glamour article mm -hmm. where they also talk about uh, Shonda Rhimes and Khloe Kardashian, who also both lost substantial amounts of weight and talked about, now people talk to me on the street now. Like they don't, and Rebel Wilson talked about like people ignored her. Like she's a very famous celebrity that people largely, I wouldn't, maybe not largely, but often ignored or didn't notice because she was fat and they yep. just looked past her. I've, I've had similar experiences now. being bigger and smaller. Like people just treat you better. You, you are, you are considered more human when you're a smaller size. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. very frustrating but it's very reinforcing to wanting to be that size, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like um, one thing that I think people don't talk about very often is when you're a celebrity, a fat celebrity, there's this special double whammy that you get hit with because people's, you know, prejudice brain are telling you, you need to lose weight, right? Because, because you're fat and fat is bad. So you must lose weight. However, when you're a celebrity, People don't like you to change. Nope. There's mm -hmm. a commodity. There's a, yeah, not only like the people, the business people around you, but there's a certain comfort in your staying who you are, right? Like I know you, I recognize this person. Mm -hmm. um, there are some other people whose careers have been severely changed or lost because of other changes not related to weight loss they've made to their appearance. Jennifer Gray, right? If anyone remembers her, she was the lead in the Dirty Dancing movie. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, very iconic looking young woman. Very pretty. Big nose that she was very sensitive about. She went out. She got the nose job and completely ended her career. Like, no, you never saw her again. Do you think that was because that. of the nose job? I 100 percent because it's the nose job, because you can't recognize her if you uh. th that changed her look because it's her face. Right. Uh, Kumel hmm. Nanjiani. Right. Uh very famous stand-up comic. Uh, he was on Silicon Valley, Indian guy or Pakistani guy. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, I think it was last year, 
uh, released some pictures of himself having gotten completely shredded. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. He's, he's never been fat, but he just picked up a six pack and big pecs and defined arms. Um, mm. And people th- there was an entire thing for a couple of weeks by late night, late night talk show host about how uncomfortable they were looking at this guy looking like that. Well, so the reason he went through that transformation is because he was cast in a Marvel movie. He is going to be in the Eternals, and uh, when mm-hmm. we were talking about this, this, I know, this topic in our little pre-recording call this week, um, Chris Pratt came up. Oh yeah, yeah, um, right. because yeah, yep. he went through a similar transformation when he was cast in Guardians of the Galaxy. He has a different story, yeah. but I also feel like that's probably partially because he's a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he and also I didn't realize this. He fluctuated quite a bit. It wasn't just so he was on Parks and Rec. Yes. And at some point during the run of the show, he got cast um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And as a you know, Marvel superhero, he had to get very you know fit and did so. Um, what I didn't realize was when he got Parks and Rec, he was, I guess, whatever his average size was, mm-hmm. gained weight just by coincidence over the first two seasons and and looked at himself and thought, you know, I got fat, but also I've never been funnier. I'm going to get fatter. And then and then went to the showrunners and said, hey, I want to gain like 30 or 40 pounds. And they were like, OK. And and so then he did so. And uh, I get I didn't realize this when I was watching Parks and Rec, but apparently a fair amount of his comedy became about like uh, maybe it was just on set, but like eating a lot. He tells a story about a scene that they had at a restaurant where he was just eating rack after rack of ribs. Well, but that, that was, take. yeah, that was on set. Right. I don't think it was about his character eating 12 racks of ribs or whatever it was, mm. but I think it was definitely, it became a game on for the actor on set that like everybody would feed him and he would eat anything. Well, yes, it, but that was in the shot. I mean, he was, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. in the scene and didn't have lines. He, he literally thought it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Like that was his, his, idea going into it was it would be funny if I just ate a lot um and and he would try and get and he did get laughs out of it so there's that and then also had to go back down for the Marvel movies and then you know he also talked about having to I guess he he did another loop like that when he got Zero Dark Thirty Mm -hmm. and Moneyball Um, so yeah and he's and he talks about how I guess unhealthy it was for him to be fluctuating that much just like Mm -hmm yo-yoing back and forth and up and down and up and down I, I wonder if maybe it wasn't in the scope of the interview or or if he just didn't have this experience but he never really talks about how people treated him except that people still found him like engagingly funny while he was fat like the experience of being treated better and maybe it's because he was never really very very fat like maybe Hollywood fat, but he wasn't like rebel Wilson compared to rebel Wilson. Now well, I also wonder how much of it was connected to, he was playing the man child archetype. on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And being kind of chubby is, I think that's synonymous with the man child. Like you're not supposed that, to be ripped when that's your type. So Chris Pratt to me. The, so as a chaser, um, <laughs> my, my view of all of this was literally like, wait, his weight changed. <laughs> like I literally didn't notice People had like I didn't know I didn't notice any difference maybe in his face a little bit, um, but otherwise it did not register with me that he was any different weight at any point in his career. You got to be this this wide to ride, right? Like it doesn't. And <laughs> it so when we talk about make like a blip on your radar, 
It super didn't. Um, so I think other people are, are watching this a lot closer in some ways. Uh, and I don't think he had to deal with the same prejudices that oh, no the other people we talked about. Did. Yeah. Um, who is the actor in, oh, Jonah Hill. He's, oh, he's yeah. talked about this a oh, lot yeah. too. Um, and he is so actually, what do we know, uh, where he's at these days? Cause he's, he's bounced back and forth a lot. Like by hundreds um, of pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like significant amounts. And, and he's also talked about how it affected his career and like, especially that weird in between place of like, if you're not the fat, funny guy, but you're not the fit leading man. <laughs> what you're are you? somewhere in between. And I feel like it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people in the Chubb Bear world also have talked about being in between archetypes. Ah, uh, that's really good, Michael. I, I think you're and absolutely like, right. Yeah. Yeah. If people can't pin you with a label, like if they don't have an easy way to, to, to categorize you and sort you, then they don't know how to look at you. And he's certainly talked about that, like, especially in acting, like, People get typecast. That's basically how you make a career for yourself is by finding a way to get typecast. Mm -hmm. And then you get lots of work doing that type. Mm -hmm. But if you change your type or at least your perceived type, uh, it 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 becomes much harder. So I'm actually curious. People don't like change. Yeah, People don't like change and they don't want you to. Yeah. Well, so much of Hollywood is designed around the idea that talent is a commodity. You're, you know, William, the William Morris Agency, uh, CAA, they're organized as there are warehouses of talent and they need to be able to send out this cadre of talent the way you send out soybeans to Iowa or corn to California. I mean, it's that's their job. (laughs) And so if you start changing corn into soybeans, people get really upset. It's basically it. It's the farm system. And it was even called the farm system at one point, I think, in Hollywood. Do we, I'm curious, do we have any anecdotal stories about people we know who have lost weight and what the world feels like to them, like people that we know personally? Me? I've I've lost huge amounts of weight and gained it. What was your, uh, do you mind if I ask, like, what was your general, like, by how much, I guess? Oh, my biggest size was about 120 pounds more than I am now. And oh, wow. my smallest size was about a hundred pounds less than I am now. Uh, so that's a quite big a wide range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, this has been this has been my happy medium for the past ten years or so. And, and what's your takeaway, Don? Oh, it's just there's no comparison. Like the world was just nicer to me when I was smaller. Period. There's no there's no specific to go into because there was no. There was no area of my life that didn't get easier, you know. Like, well, I'll be honest. That's, well, you've, that's you've just ta- the, way it is. I, the reason I'm asking you—you you talked a lot about how, you know, on the podcast you've talked about sort of your evolution coming to terms with your body, mm-hmm. and yet you your body has changed a lot, you know, like a, a 200 pound yeah. range. So I'm wondering because I've been fighting it every step of the way. Well, that that's you know? kind of my question is so you know because you, you have like there are kind of like two variables there. There's how you feel about your body. Uh, up and down a 200 pound range. And then there's how other people treat you up and down your 200 pound range. You've got, and in, in having two variables changing simultaneously, I, I would assume, uh, I just like, what is, what do you observe about that? Is there something to say about that? I feel like I'm in an interesting place to talk about it right now because of the quarantine, right? Mm. I haven't been interacting with the world at large for the past year. I know what you mean. And my, my weight is not in my face, Right. My weight is in my body. Um, And so with my main focus of communication being Zoom focused on my face, like I feel like I'm 
I'm becoming less sensitive about the way I am treated by people because I'm not being treated by people in any way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I'm left to be thinking about my body in the vacuum of myself. This is getting really weirdly heady. I have no, no idea. If this no, be I, I, I anyone, totally, but. no, I totally get what you say, because what you're saying is if you take other people's reactions out of the equation, you can hear your I'm own reactions. You can hear your like, own reactions. You know? Yeah. If I'm just sort of existing in my own headspace, I'm okay with me. Right. Mm. I get frustrated because some of my clothes don't fit right. You know, um, but by and large, that's not even a major issue. Right. Um, it's, it's me living my life and just, I'm fine with me. When you start putting me into a situation where I have to, like, part of my job is I have to impress people. I have to make, uh, connections with people. I have to make people, uh, want to work with me. Right. And I have always found it's easier to do it over the phone than live. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Um, so removing those interactions has made my self-esteem equalize right rather than be on this sort of roller coaster of like ah crap okay i'm being made feel bad by the world time for me to pick up my own ego drag it back up to a happy place (laughs) okay now i can focus on something else and then the world starts treating me and the the ego starts going down again you know it's uh it has been an interesting experience to make me understand that I am more okay with me than I realized. That's pretty cool. Right? That mm. is pretty cool. But it also makes me miss the days of interaction and dread them. Mm. You yes. know, like when the world starts again, I'm going to get to see the people I love again, but it's also going to come with all that extra baggage of seeing the people that don't love me again. Right. You know, yeah. you go back to being the, the big fat guy in the room instead of the, uh, the, the interesting, the interesting talking head on zoom call. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so, like I said, with with celebrities, I feel like they have it have it even worse because they're fat. The world believes they need to change and tells them they need to change. And then when they do the change, people resent <laughs> them because the celebrity is supposed to stay. Who you? <laughs> Why do you change? Why did you change? Yeah. <laughs> so it's this weird double kick in the ass for people. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, uh, with, and with me, like when I lost weight. I got so much positive reinforcement from people in my life that it made me think, oh, well, they didn't actually like me when I was at my larger size. Mm-hmm. Right. I've heard the that positive so often. reinforcement became a signal that I was not approved of at that other point. I hear that over and over again yeah. from so many fat people, Don. Absolutely. And knowing my friends, that is horseshit. You know, like, yes. mm-hmm. I am aware that that's utter bullcrap, but your knowledge of truth versus your experience of it are not always well connected. So, well, but, but I think there is something to, you know, if, if all of a sudden rebel Wilson experiences people wanting to carry her groceries and she didn't before, yeah. you know, that's not cause she didn't notice people carrying her groceries before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people, people do have these prejudices and they leak out uh, even close friends. Uh, and I, I, I don't even think they're in, and I don't mean your close friends. I mean, in general, Yeah. but I, I think that people have these, these expectations and prejudices that, that they're unconscious of, mm-hmm. which are total, total bullshit. I, so I don't have, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try very hard to make it very clear that I'm not equating these two experiences at all. I disclaimer, I'm not <laughs> saying this is the same. Um, a, a, an example, a minor dumb example of 
the way that people perceive you being total bullshit <laughs> is when I was about 22, I got glasses for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have them. And then I got these black framed hipster glasses and started wearing them. And people out, random strangers out in the world were much friendlier, like more, they, I think they saw me as more accessible. Um, I don't know why, but I, I got a lot more random uh, engagements from the people I saw out in the world. And then I would, I would, I would test the theory and go out without glasses and it would be completely, completely different. It's, I'm not saying the I same mean, experience. I just, it's like people's perception of you can be changed by mm -hmm. the dumbest, most innocuous things. I, I have to say, so Michael, you know, Michael around that time with his style and everything, you went from Superman to Clark Kent. Because mm. <laughs> it just, uh, the, I mean, with the, with your, how your hair was and then and everything, your glasses definitely made you more like, gee, Lois, what do you think? <laughs> and you think, more, you think Superman more is up to right now. That you is more, true. More, more people want to talk to Clark Kent than Superman. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, when he wears the glasses, the word golly coming out of his lips would not surprise anyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, golly. And then Michael takes them <laughs> off and goes, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> and my voice gets an yeah. octave deeper. <laughs> no, it just, it, people's perception of who you are and how they can interact with you is totally cosmetic yeah. and, and should not be that way. But it, like, that's just how, and of course, fat people get the short end of the stick there because that's the most obviously cosmetic thing that you can't just take off can't just mm -hmm. take off your fat like um you, you live with it and i think that you also get treated the worst compared to any other version of it i, I don't know maybe not any version i don't know what disabled people have to deal with but i mean i think what i think the biggest takeaway is we need to realize and like all of us because i know i you know i'm guilty of this too people contain volumes people are ever-changing and i think we're going to kind of really see this when we go back to you know, quote unquote normal. It's not going to be normal, but it's going to be the new normal. Like, I think everyone's going to be different and it's going to, I think <laughs> it's going to be a rough adjustment because people are going to try to go back and interact with people in the same way. And I mean, we're all just, people have had more time for introspection and, and stay tuned listeners. I think we're going to do a show. On yeah. This eventually. Uh, spoilers. This is more foreshadowing. <laughs> I have a prediction. Yes. That when we go back to living our quote unquote normal lives. It's it's going to suck being fat for a little while worse than ever because mm. all of these people are going to be coming back from quarantine obsessing about their own bodies and mm. lashing out ah. at everyone around them. Um and if they can hang it hang their issue up on other people with fatter bodies, they're going to do it. So th this is entirely my opinion. I have no well, scholarly background to pull from this other than <laughs> observations of human behavior. So when we come back to everything, be ready to take a few deep breaths and remind yourself that any bullshit coming your way may not have anything to do with you. It may have things to do with people dealing with their own bullshit and not being able to. So they're trying to take another other people around them. 
Yeah. Just and be th- ready. That really it. is, you know, any, any time if you've ever gotten, if you've ever gotten shade at a bar because of your, your weight, which happens sometimes, unfortunately, it, it's, it's, if you ever get these weird glances or stuff, it's always people's own issues. I know that doesn't help when you're at the receiving <laughs> end of being insulted or, or having mm-hmm. a microaggression, but it's, it's, it's their issue. They just, they just, they can't help it. Well, or they can, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just racing for the end. I, I, my little sister was saying the other day that, you know, the more, the longer quarantine has gone on, the more that she has like started talking to random strangers and like really missed the connection Uh. with people. Uh, that she didn't used to do. And I'm like, nope, I am the total opposite. I have, <laughs> the longer this has gone on, I'm just like, stay away from me. I don't want to. Michael's going to be feral and we're going to have to like use one of those, <laughs> those animal things and get it around his neck and drag him outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have to bring a bag of treats and a mm. clicker the next time we get together with Michael. All right, I got it. I'll, they'll take a He's going to start treats. thrashing around like an alligator, like spinning around. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck treats. Here's a bottle of scotch. Uh, all right. I'll Anything more? It. I mean, I just, I don't know. I keep thinking, I kept thinking about this and I couldn't really figure out how to, I, I think this may be a bow for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Give us your bow. So Renee Zellweger, uh, uh, this was a few years ago. People probably remember so not only did Renee Zellweger, you know, I feel like her weight's kind of fluctuated. Uh, and I think partially and such too. I think, um, I think for when she would do Bridget Jones movies, she would gain weight. Mm. Um, but people would give her flack for that and she'd lose it. But she had plastic surgery. Yeah. And I mean, she always got criticism, but the criticism she got for her plastic surgery, which she looked so different afterwards. She didn't, she didn't. She's got such a just. She had such a distinctive face before mm-hmm. that it was really hard to, yeah, recognize her. Um, like it wasn't that she looked better or worse. It was just she looked very different. Yes, I thought. Um, and then uh, I did, this was before the the final Bridget Jones. Hopefully, the final Bridget Jones movie. <laughs> um, and going, it. I think basically all of the the leads and that got criticism for their appearance but it's like it had been i don't like 20 years almost yeah, since yeah. the last movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think we need to just be kinder i mean i feel stupid saying like we need to be kinder to celebrities <laughs> <laughs> that's not maybe that's not the takeaway here there's people yeah they're pe- people and just like i think that because celebrities are just these you know these people that are just I don't know that we all see and just kind of look at like okay use the example of like Reba Wilson changing as people change people fluctuate and just like I don't know be be chill and like I don't know it's foreshadowing be chill as we leave this pandemic um <laughs> take a breath calm the fuck down yeah. <laughs> and wait for Michael to uh have a little lull and sense of calm before you snare him and drag him outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. What training treats should we use for you, Michael? What, like, what is, what is a Michael's Michael treat? Uh, I think a good, like you could grab a handful of like peanut M&Ms. Oh, okay. That's, that's, and it works as a clicker too. You, like shake them. Yeah. You could sh- do a shake yeah. bag. If Michael's yeah. being bad. You shake the bag at him. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys a question as our bit today. Ooh. Okay. Just, well, actually oh. two questions. 
So a lot of this was talking about like physical perception versus getting to know people or, you know, those are big factors in it. So I'm curious. I have two questions for you. What what celebrity crushes do you have on people that are not your type? Right. Like you look at them physically. That's not who you're into. But then they open their mouth and something about who they are or their skill set or something about them makes them kind of sexy to you for some reason. (laughs) And on the flip side of that, what celebrity crushes do you or what celebrities do you do? C, go immediately like, oh, that's my type, and then have them open their mouth and ruin everything. <laughs> I, 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 I have my answers. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Dan, lead us off. Um, so, of course, been watching a lot of TV during pandemic, and Trevor will, help, will tell you, I, I, have a pretty, I have a pretty high libido to begin with, and being cooped up inside is not exactly diminished that. So I find my <laughs> tongue rolling out continually for all these hot guys on television, and they're not my type. <laughs> and so I think right now, my, uh, my two top... Um, and again, he's so to speak. Be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Michael Shanks from Stargate SG one. Oh my God. I just can't, it's, he's, you'd probably have to pull him up. Uh, just sort of classic, good looking Canadian. Um, I think he's Canadian. Um, but just, just really, really gorgeous. Um, and the character helps cause the character is like this sensitive scholar, this sensitive, uh, archaeologist uh, and epigrapher. So yeah, that's, that's totally hit it with. Oh, me. he was the one I thought was cute in that cast. Oh, too. totally. Totally. Yeah. And then um, a lot of good things to say about that show, but I'll move on. And then the other crush that I'm having right now is uh, Trevor is, is uh, having us rewatch heroes and the younger mm. brother of uh, P- Peter, Peter Petrelli, Petrelli. Um, Ventimiglia. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, I think it has a lot to do with the personality. Uh, they're totally not my type physically. Uh, my type physically, uh, that of course gets ruined, is uh, I'm a huge fan, as, as many chasers are, of Greg Grunberg, who is on Heroes and Star Wars and a bunch of mm. other shows. Uh, he plays the cop on Heroes. Mm-hmm. Oh, J.J. Yeah. Abrams' friend. If yeah. you say so. Okay. And, he, and I, yeah. also, I also had a distant, I, I worked with a man who was friends with both of the Grunberg brothers. And I'm like, oh my God, you could introduce me. Oh my God. Like tongue, just, just, just total fangirl. And uh, he's like, yeah, but he's way straight. I mean, he'll, he'll appreciate it, but he's way straight. I'm like, oh God damn it. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> Dan, your second one, it's supposed to be someone that you're like, you found them attractive, but then I think you were repulsed by their behavior or like. Yeah, he's straight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Straight people repulsed Dan. We no, understand. it's just like it's a no go. I'm not. That's that's that. Okay. Wop, wop, <laughs> Trevor, do you have someone in mind? I have someone in mind for, um, I guess, like a kind of crush. I mean, I because I just have such a wide, I feel like range of types I like. But like, just I know on my, I, I had a thought the other day <laughs> that I feel like we'll, this will be an appropriate answer. So, Catherine Hahn. Hmm. actress um who i'm i'm watching wandavision i'm not going to talk about it because michael hasn't seen it thank you but oh my after the last after the last episode (laughs) yeah is she the one playing the neighbor the neighbor the neighbor oh she's great i love Um, her wonderful character actress who i uh realize i have mixed up with um anna gasteyer yes very easy Um, to do 
Very easy to do. But I was like, she, I would let her murder me <laughs> if she like, stabbed me to death if she laughed while doing it. <laughs> she is she is a talent that has uh, not been nearly recognized enough. Just amazing. Especially after the last episode that just yes. aired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, but okay. So a woman, <laughs> not your yeah, type, but because it's because I mean anyone I can think of. I'm but like, her, yeah, but her sheer this. force of personality has overcome her vagina for you. Yeah, I mean I'm not saying I, I I'm saying she can murder me. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously I'm not letting her near Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> um, someone who I was attracted to that repulsed me. I'm trying to think of celebrities because I'm just. Um, <laughs> I know real people. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's probably best not to discuss on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess come back or I'll just. I, can, I, can, I, can I ask what if somebody that is your type you're into, but they uh, you're not repulsed by them? I'm just curious. Like, I because you there, you know, that I when we're watching television, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, look at him. I never hear you say that. So I'm curious who that is for you. Um, ooh, well, can okay, I have an example that's, I don't know, because. I definitely have a like, so sitcoms. Uh, oh fuck, what's it called? Step by step. Uh huh. Um. Yes. The yeah. The himbo. I like. Oh. I, I like himbos, but I don't like that. I like himbos. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um. And like he is, I think, the best example of like just like peak himbo. Just like his character. So his character. dumb. His character is Cody, and uh, I care, the actor's name is Sasha. Is, something. He's the yeah. He's the one who ended up like being outed as a domestic abuser. Yeah. He? Oh, he is terrible. Okay, I'll go with him then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Michael, uh, I, I struggle with this one because I I fall into the camp of there are a lot of celebrities that I probably should find attractive, <laughs> but just kind of don't. Um, but then who kind of like. Like vaguely attractive, like okay, sure, like, like chubby celebrities or mainstream, yeah, yeah just like like fat okay. celebrities that you would think that I would find attractive. I'm kind of like, eh, I, I know, um, you. I, I get this a lot. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as far as the playing against type, uh, I'm gonna follow Trevor's lead actually and say Natalie Portman. Hmm. Uh, for some reason, like I have, I have no real strong desire to like go take her out but like i just find her like magnetizing mm. and i just want to like be around her and and like talk to her and and like i don't know it, i just i, I could see that. like a like a really late night intimate setting where we could just have like pillow talk would be like unbelievable <laughs> as far as a I, I i i i don't know i don't really have a lot of big celebrity crushes for previously I think there's one this is not like a total like completely repulsed thing but and I hate this because we just talked about him but uh Paul Walter <laughs> um oh yeah I I find him fairly cute but I saw an interview with him where he was talking this is when we were researching talking about him a few months ago where he talked about how he got the role on um Richard Jewell and he goes into this whole long thing about, well, you know, as a Christian, I just have faith that things are going to work out for me and, you know, that God has a plan. And, and that was like immediately, I, I don't have anything against people with who have a strong faith. I mean, two of my exes are both devout Christians, but I just, that presentation of it was just sort of an immediate like, eh, 
but it was like it it, it was a hit to the to the fantasy just I the guess. turn off yeah it was no natalie portman i'll tell you that it was <laughs> exactly well she's jewish so like, i i can relate to that <laughs> uh what about you don Oh, so the two I'll discuss, it's weird. This is maybe a weird example, but I think I can explain it well. Um, I like both of them personally, right? And both of them are physically attractive, but I both had radically different reactions to both of them. Um, the The lead two actors from the Supernatural TV show. Oh, of okay? course. Yeah. Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles, mm-hmm. right? When I first started watching the show, I, I didn't know either of them as actors, so I was mostly assessing them as sort of as their character. Jared Padalecki was much more my type physically, and he was playing the bookish brother, like <laughs> the nice <laughs> one, the sensitive one. Totally, that that's my personality type. I love him. That's, I, you know, yum. And he was physically gorgeous. And then the guy playing his brother, uh, Jensen Ackles, was playing the bad boy, right? Beautiful, but kind of dumb, uh, but aggressive, sort of hyper-masculine. Not my type at all. But as the series went on, <laughs> the skill set, the acting skill set of the two actors <laughs> swapped my opinions oh. in that Jared Padalecki, God bless him, sweet guy in the real world. He sounds like an amazing, good hearted person. I cannot watch that man act. <laughs> he's, he's so bad. He has three facial expressions and his react. Whenever you, whenever anyone says anything to him in a scene, roll the dice. You've got a 40% chance. He's just going to huff and roll his eyes as the reaction. No matter, doesn't matter what the content of the scene is. That's what his reaction is going to be. Uh, it works for him, I guess. <laughs> on the flip side of that, Jensen Ackles like played that sort of, two-dimensional stereotype character at the beginning with such like sensitivity and depth and thought to all, like everything he did that seemed sort of so cartoonish was done so earnestly and with like a dedication to it that it was like oh i oh you charming little thing like oh, <laughs> just, oh. he completely <laughs> won me over to to the point where at the end of the series like i was putting up with jared padalecki so that I could watch more Jensen Ackles, you know, it was mm. a very interesting switch for me. That that's a, that's a great love story. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anybody, if any listeners out there have uh, connections to any of these people we've mentioned, please write us in. To, <laughs> where can they do that, Trevor? Yeah. Uh, tell Catherine Hahn she can murder me at the following places. <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars in a review there. Apple Podcast 2. We've gotten some new reviews, which is always lovely to see. Yay. Stitcher is its own thing, but maybe you listen there. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. And that's a wrap. Yay. Um, Good job. Maybe you're... Catherine Hahn and you're uh, slowly <laughs> sneaking up behind me with a knife to murder me as I requested earlier in the episode. So it looks like I better look out. Look out. <laughs> One of these days I want to do the setup and have Trevor shout look out. Can we make that happen? Yeah.